Hey there, welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about technology, people and culture. I'm Matt Ryan, digital marketing strategist, and with me as always is Curtis Selleck, finance consultant and impulse drone purchaser. <laughs> On this episode, we'll be talking about CES uh, 2018 and what this year's tech innovations tell us about the future of home theatre and uh, what else caught our eye at this year's new tech showcase. All that and our recommendations coming right up. So, Kurt, every year in January, the world's you know most interesting tech developers uh, unveil sort of new futuristic products at Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Showcase. Yep. I think um, what has been interesting uh, to watch is the way that the you know the showcase has gone from being sort of strictly an announcement of like what's the latest LCD and plasma screen to um, expand to all sorts of aspects of sort of uh, visual communication or you know to visual technologies. Yep. Um, and I think um, what we're seeing here is uh, almost the showcase taking back that mantle this year. I think over the last couple of years we've been looking at you know mobile phones and virtual reality and other sort of you know interactive experiences really taking hold. But what I was really struck by this year is that the majority of the stories that are coming out of um, uh, CES seem to be focused around you know what was originally their core offering, which is televisions. Yep. Um, you know, what's something that caught your eye about um, uh, where we're at with home theatre this year? Um, well, I'm in the market, so it's it's quite interesting. Well, I think quite that, was a, that was the original time. reason I'd, yeah. I'd propose this is um, uh, your 40 inch TV is on its way out. Yeah, so 43 inch with a bezel, so it's a 40 the inch. Three inches, mate. Yeah, it makes the difference. But it's but it's interesting because it's a, a Samsung bezel TV. Always got to worry Just about gonna, the bezel. You know, drop that uh, that name there, please. Sponsor us, Samsung. Yep. Um, and since I swapped to my Samsung Galaxy Ads Plus, uh, <laughs> are there any other Samsung products that uh, you're intrigued by? Uh, my Samsung, no, I don't know. But um, uh, I think it's interesting because that was the design back then. And you know, I bought this this TV that I have now maybe five years ago, and the bezel it looked great back then, and now it's so dated. You know, you see the Samsung frame, which is a four thousand dollar TV, but it's this. A device that just changes the aesthetic of your your home. If you have it mounted on the wall, it looks like a picture, and when you want to use it, you know it's a TV. Well, I think what's what's been particularly interesting in the last couple of years um, is the sort of evolution of um, you know. I suppose adaptable TVs or you know sort of TVs that you can sort of um, hide TVs. and stow away yeah. and yeah and I think particularly you know the Internet of Things reaching um, televisions particularly and um, changing the way that we use them. Mm. I think um, uh, you know uh, over the last sort of like 30, 40 years TVs have evolved from being like the centerpiece to a house to almost something that you know people can um, uh, you know sort of chop and change or not necessarily have been the sort of centerpiece of any house. I feel like there's less of a focus on it. People want um, want that adaptability where it, you know is almost the a swivel and it's out of the scene like yep. so I don't watch TV and it's kind of the that, that's a weird mentality but TV used to be uh, programmed and scheduled whereas now it's all on demand and so I don't want to watch my TV at 9.30 in the morning and watch you know X I, I, I want to be able to watch that program when I get home at night and I can do that well, I have the flexibility to do it it's part of the as and when you want it kind of culture yeah. um, you know sort of the way that streaming has changed demand for television uh, definitely I think has changed the focus of television in its place yeah. and I think what's also interesting is that um, uh, you know the more people move away from desktop computers as well and sort of the birth of laptops and things like that is that these big pieces of infrastructure Structure that you know, sort of your house previously revolved around, um, have suddenly become less important. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know you can see that in some of the um, uh, elements that are on display this year. Particularly, you've got the sort of foldable LG um, television, um, which can change sort of size and sort of as and when required, and can sort of fold in and out and occupy different kinds of spaces and focuses. 
I, I'm interested with that TV. Um, so the original question, Matty, was what TV has excited me. It went off a pretty far tangent there. Thanks, Samsung. But um, appreciate <coughs> you, Samsung. <laughs> but but yeah, exactly. The the LG TV is so um, so interesting because it it again um, it takes the convention of a TV and uh, I think the, the the three different modes that it has a full you know 65 inch a widescreen. And then um, it's got that cool, well, it's got this really cool thing, which I like, which um, is where it's a, at a one third display of the 65 inches. And it it allows you to see just display information. So that might be like a shopping list or it might be uh, the weather or, you know, it might play just Spotify. And I think that that hub or that dashboard setting is great because I want that 90% of the time. And then when I want to watch TV, I can just click a button and the TV appears. Um, but the, the, the thing that I'll say about that is uh, as long as it's customizable, I think if it's locked down by LG, I don't know if LG have the best like uh, software or... I, they I don't certainly know. don't have that, I think, a strong brand Would reputation that they may have a couple of years ago. I yeah, feel like they've really fallen off. Maybe. I don't, like if they just go, um, you know, proprietary, that's an issue. Whereas I think if they went something with Android, I, I don't think it'd be a problem. But I think if they lock it down to LG only, I understand why they would, but uh, it limits you know, the scope of development for, for people to get in there and really tinker with it and make that, that aspect ratio work for them or, you know, that's that uh, set up. Makes that particular sort of hub um, display uh, really becomes less of the focus. Mm. Um, you know, what I'm interested in is that I would have thought this year that, um, uh, you know, taking the idea of the adaptable uh, model um, and sort of the flexible rolling um, or contorting sort of uh, TV, I'm surprised that um, there hasn't been an, a version that's come out with like a touchscreen or something mm. like that um, that really gets you into like almost like, like minority report space where, you know, everything is interactive and everything's a touchscreen and, you know, you're um, uh, using your hands to sort of surf the web in a different way and I think that's really um, that seems to my mind to be the next logical step for what happens now that we're in a space where you know the TV is no longer the half and you know we're sort of adapting around that I think uh, Microsoft still do like the Surface which was originally well it's a little bit different to the Minority Report thing but it's like where you play with it on a a horizontal plane not a vertical plane Um, and I, I reckon I wonder how practical that would be like you know, you obviously do stand-up desks uh, at work sometimes, and so I, I wonder if you're stretching out and reaching and touching and pulling, how, like, actually practical that would be compared to... Just in my, like in my thoughts, I don't know how, how good it would be. But um, I, what I will say is the, the actual uh, folding-in mechanism of the device, um, it looked massive. I don't know if you if you saw it, but the TV 65 inches, so it has to accommodate this 65-inch TV rolling up inside it. Here's a big piece of... Uh, like it's, a big it's some hardware of stuff um so I, I wonder how like if they'll offer different colors you know how people get those installed in their in their tv cabinets if they build a cabinet around it um i don't think it's going to be you know the easiest design to work with but i love the the concept and the sexiness of the, the lg tv TV. Um, what I think is interesting then is well that um, uh, you know we talk about LG having like a modular TV or like a TV that you know can change in its different kind of um, yeah. environments to suit whatever you want it to do. Um, uh, you know Samsung, thank you for sponsoring us, um, uh, has really gone the opposite direction. Um, with you know there's I think there's like a 140 inch TV that is basically built into the wall and becomes the wall. 
Oh. Um, and I think wow. that, um, uh, you know, where that almost is, uh, talks about, you know, your home theatre experience, mm. where the TV is the sole purpose for the room rather than sort of a, um, like a core component of it. Yeah. And uh, it's a really interesting sort of, um, you've got two sort of uh, large sort of production uh, organisations that are at different sort of poles of what they think people are going to be using the TV or, you know, as identifying different niches in the market. Well, how do you capture those markets, right? I mean, you either have to create interest or you have to create that market. Um, because, you know, you compare the Samsungs, the Sonys with the LGs, they're all using similar components and um, screens and they buy from each other. I think a lot of panels these days from Sony are Samsung panels or, you know, vice versa. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but it's in a market where, you know, people want just a 55-inch TV, they've got these six to choose from, do you want the cheapest or do you want, how do you sell up to the Sony or the Samsung or the LG yeah. over the Hisense or the, 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 the worse, um, or sorry, the lesser known brands. Um, and it's that user experience and I reckon LG's done something really cool there. Whereas Samsung have also done something really cool which is, you know... At a different f- end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very funky. Uh, well, I think what's also interesting is that they're going to be launching, I think, the first commercially available 85-inch TV um, yeah. in the next little while. Um, and, you know, uh, conversations apart, aside from the bezel and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> I think that that's also another interesting step where, you know, you've got uh, like a straight down the middle, um, you know, sort of almost bare bones TV that doesn't have any of this sort of functionality, but the, the selling point is its size. I think that um, that's also interesting where we've you've got gimmicks like the folding TV or, you know, the sort of the modular wall TV or even, you know, we're looking at curved screens a couple years ago as being the, the new sort of immersive experience yep. um, and yet you still have like a, a real commercial play right down the middle of like this is the biggest TV that you can buy in the market without you know basically um, constructing a house around it what what I don't understand and I would love to to maybe read more up on is uh, is why somebody would need a TV that size well, I think the, the selling point particularly for this TV is that it'll be 85 inch. Obviously, you know, that's uh, <laughs> uh, something that you can compensate for. Um, and certainly you can tell all your friends, um, you know, the relative size of your person. Um, but I think, uh, you know, we're looking at TVs that are starting to launch into like 8K resolution. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that uh, it's interesting that that kind of screen resolution has evolved at such a, a clip at the moment where I would be surprised, you know, I'm not sure what the market penetration is like on 4K. And yet, you know... Uh, 8K is ready. Yeah, 8K. 8K is ready and 8K is commercially available. Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, you know, as the uh, cost of these TVs is going to go down, it'll be interesting to see how, what kind of market share um, the sort of 85-inch um, takes up compared to the 65-inch, mm. which is already sort of astronomically large. Yeah. Uh, how many uh, inches uh, will you need? Yeah, well, 40 by the sounds. but uh, Modular or, you know, which <laughs> mode is that? A bit, a bit less than half. Um, I would love the frame. I think I like the simplicity of it. And that's probably more my demographic. I love the idea of the folding and using having extra utility from it when it's not being a TV. Like, I don't want my TV all the time on, on all the time because I want to you know, save on power. I want to be co- you know conscious of the energy that I use. Um, but if I had, you know, an extra device that gave me information that I just would love to get on the fly, that I think that's a great idea. What what I think um, what I think is wrong with the argument of eight K, four K, sixteen K, whenever that comes out, is like the human eye can only perceive so much information. I reckon if you're going eighty five inches at eight K, that might mean the resolution of an eighty five inch screen is you know absolutely phenomenal, four K esque if it was on a you know fifteen inch monitor or something or twenty four inch monitor, but like why? 
What do you need? Yeah. What, do you, what are you getting out of that that you're not get, currently getting out of the 65 inch? Just, um, just walk outside. You'll see some, some you know, there'll be amazing things. Like Avatar <laughs> can only know. look so good. I, I know, I know. So I, I, I don't know. I think that's my gripe with it. But, but I still like the idea of uh, innovating and changing the concept. Um, I don't like, you know, slapping a TV down and just attaching your bits and pieces and away you go. I like that there's other options. So we're, you know, I suppose, have any of these products given you thought on the purchase that you're going to be making, um, you know, in your uh, new house? Are we still going for the wall mount? Are we uh, going for the module? Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's interesting, I suppose, that, you know, you say right now, I really love the innovation. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. Mm. Um, but, you know, in terms of um, where, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, the commercial play is still going to be that straight down the middle, you know, 50-inch TV. Um, well, if you want those concept designs, you need to spend spend more. Uh, yep. And for those concepts, you need to buy at a certain range because the company's not going to manufacture them across all pl- uh, sizes because why? Like, what, you can What's sell the, it. There's no appeal for them there. Yeah, unless the, the, the economies of scale are there where they're making all of LG's TVs with this special piece of material that folds the TV, like, you know... It's it's gonna put them in those other markets at a higher price point where people will go oh well I'll just buy a Samsung or or a Samsung or another Samsung uh, you know as many Samsungs <laughs> as you can possibly yeah, afford yeah. Um, curved displays or otherwise but uh, it's really important to have an ecosystem which Samsung. is what Samsung <laughs> offers you um, <clears throat> Samsung please send me a Dex uh, but you know I think I think it's it's hard for me to want to get into that market because you have to make the TV. So you have to get buy a large enough TV. So probably not, but I think there is definitely a market there because you know, people that have these TVs either want to wall mount them or get additional use. And I love, I, I can't go over it and like get over it enough. The, 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 the third option, which is just to have that informational display and yep. the TV playing, um, you know, Spotify or whatever through it. Like it's, it's a visualization. It's easy. And I don't have to have like, you know, a 65-inch or an 85-inch TV blowing my eyes off with this visualization. I can have you a need nice, an 8K for your, your Spotify. Yeah, exactly. So, that, so that's where my headspace is at, with Maddie, with the TVs. Did, uh, did you see anything else at CES? Look, the only thing that I was really keen on, um, I think it's the way that uh, projectors are evolving um, and sort yeah. of the way that um, projectors are being hidden or, um, you know, we talk about, like, the fact that we want to have, like, a TV that can disappear. And I think for, a, like, a long period of time, projectors were that kind of technology. Yeah. But there's an amazing product, um, which is the Sony, which um, is a, like, it's a projector that's built into a coffee table. Ah. So there's a so you've got your coffee table, you know, that's laid out there, lovely, you know, have your snacks, have your magazines, have whatever's going on there. Coffee table um, book. Yeah, coffee table book, uh, what it's designed for. Um, and it's projecting onto the wall. Um, you know, it's, oh, I think it's through like, the coffee table. Through the coffee table. Yeah, okay. um, and so I think it's a 120 inch display, which looks Ooh. really cool. Um, <laughs> it's uh, $30,000, <laughs> um, which is also like a real barrier. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's interesting that uh, that's kind of like, a, that's another direction that you're going in where the hardware's there and it's taking up the space, but you've camouflaged it to look like something entirely different. Um, and yet, you know, you're still going to obviously need to have like 120 inch wall to display everything on there. So, so what is the market that they're trying to target there? Is this like they want to get penetration in, you know, 10 years where people can afford a $30,000 projector, which will be worth, you know, $5,000 by then? Or is this the ultra rich that, you know, really don't want a ugly hanging display? You know, you've just got... You hit a button on a coffee table and it shoots up And I think image. that's where we're looking at it. It's like this is about, you know, your pure room aesthetics, right? Mm-hmm. That you've got a piece of technology that's going to be designed as a, you know, sort of high, high-end furniture. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you have that kind of like ability to be hidden or sort of, um, uh, you know, camouflage within the, the aesthetics of your house. 
I think that that's really interesting. Like that's another sort of uh, direction that people are taking, um, you know, where you are examining, you know, how does this technology actually exist, like functionally in someone's room or, yeah. you know, what, what are people actually need it for? And if you've got that particular demographic, that particular niche where, you know, the high end aesthetics, you know, if you're in a fantastic, you know, mansion or whatever, again, you don't want to have that, uh, you don't want to have your 85 inch um, TV on display yeah. uh, as a permanent kind of eyesore. And I think it's interesting that um, you know this people taking that other other sort of um, uh, thing, uh, that other kind of direction. I'd be interested to see you know in the future. I wouldn't be surprised if there was like couches that had projectors built into them, yeah, that kind okay. of thing. You know, the coffee table seems as like so obvious um, as a point in time where that can come from. But um, it will be interesting to see whether or not that evolves from almost into like a you know three hundred and sixty degree like projection. Yeah. And there are other things. You know, if there's a lamp that's contributing to something, or there's you know like uh, other elements in your house that are contributing to the kinds of displays that you're seeing or maybe it's uh one day they'll all talk to each other so in terms of like augmenting reality you know the lamp will set the the, the mood based on the movie because of the way you touched the coffee table or something something like that like, yeah well i think this is where we're looking for the for the fully interactive house yeah. and i think that uh, you know that ties into what we were talking earlier about you know the google home all that mm. kind of stuff um and then you know when we look at um like the different kinds of fridges that are starting to become smart or even like you know different kinds of washing machines or other different products like that yeah. are really starting to um like track your behavior but also create an ecosystem within the house where you know life is made easier by these different products interacting with these different products understanding sort of where you're at and what it is that you want to achieve out of like your living space there's uh there's this episode of um peep show which you would have seen yeah, peep mm. show is a british uh you know comedy uh for, for the listeners that haven't seen it i'd highly recommend it don't t- google peep show maybe just go onto netflix and look well it you up. know just uh don't go to one in the street like yeah. find one for yourself yeah. in the privacy of your own home that's right but um, uh, there's this this episode where uh, Jeremy buys all this random stuff in his basket, but he wants to get points, so he uses like a Nectar card, which is um, I think at Tesco's it's just their reward system, like yep. flybys in Australia. And he's he puts a lot of random shit through his trolley so that they can't guess what his buying patterns are like. So like dog food, he buys vodka, and he buys um, like denture cleaner or something, um, and. I think that's so indicative of our times now because I was only ordering online the other day and for some reason, like, we don't we haven't ordered online for months, but it's like, oh, did you... You're checking out now, but you forgot to add milk and you forgot to add this and you forgot to add that. And I think when a fridge can itemise, you know, what's in the fridge because it knows you put milk in there because that's yep. where milk goes and it has a display or it sends some sort of message to you to, to keep you updated, oh, well, you know, you do need this. I think that's great. Um, which is this, similar to what they do in the US now with um, Alexa. You know, yep. she she's quite suggestive with, oh, you bought this. You know, we well, she's that. remembering that you know it's been X long X time since you ordered milk yeah. or X time since you ordered pet food or anything like that, and sort of making suggestions to do that. And I think that you know, similar to what we're talking about, you know, with the home or Alexa or these other devices that are designed to make your sort of life easier. It'll be interesting when your sort of TV and your fridge and sort of all the different components of your life really do start to hum. Mm. Um, you know, which is I think that where you know we're increasingly heading with like smart TVs yeah it's, it's pretty cool stuff alright so let us know um, if you're in the market for a TV how many inches do you need and how many K's do you need um, for those inches um, foldable frame yeah you know sort of where, where are you at at the moment like are you straight down the line you just want the biggest TV possible at the highest resolution or you know uh, are you looking for something that's really going to be I suppose chopping and changing the way that you use the house with it, or use the TV within the house yeah let us know and when we're coming back, we're going to talk about uh, maybe something else that's excited us this week, Manny. How are you feeling about that? I'm feeling pretty excited. Oh.
we're back. Kurt, excited. New year, new you. Yeah, Maddie, it's uh, it was a good 2017. I reckon we did a couple of good podcasts in there. I'm really sort of looking forward to the to see how the 10 goes over the next 12 months and reporting back on that this this year because I wonder if the 10s will come out or sorry, I say 10. To our viewers out there, it should be the X, so the XS. Um, if you're a loyal listener, oh yeah, that's right. But uh, the the iPhone is going to be interesting. Um, you know, the Pixel Two was a bit of a uh, bit of a flop for me. I, I would have thought there would have been more in that. Um, loving the Samsung, so thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Appreciate you, Samsung. <laughs> but um, but the yeah, secret is real. But, but this week, what excited me, and, and just to, to fall on to our points before um, about CES, there was there was a couple of really cool things that I reckon people should check out. Um, one in uh, particular is uh, Project uh, Lydia, I believe it's called. It's a Razer laptop. Um, last year, Razer released their own version of the phone. For people out there who don't know, Razer is a uh, like a gaming peripherals manufacturer. They also you know make laptops and a bunch of other stuff. But um, what they did last year was they created their phone, their first phone, which was um, you know marketed to be the best gaming phone. You know, play any game on it. It'll you can increase the. Uh, the usage of the CPU or the, the graphics or whatever else in the phone to make it outperform anyone else. And then at CES, they released this laptop, which the phone plugs into, and it, it just makes the system work. And Samsung tried to uh, do this with the DeX. Um, it was called the Samsung DeX, um, where you put your Samsung in a cradle and it makes like a Windows or a Samsung UI environment on a monitor. Yep. Um, I haven't heard great reviews about it. I think I mentioned it like earlier. Please send me one Samsung, but you know I'd love to play with it. But, um, I'm but glad this podcast has, has like evolved into <laughs> just begging like for a corporate sponsor. It's but only to, taken us like eight or nine episodes. Yeah, but um, and a feverish listener base. Yeah, but the but, but but where that has fallen down is I think um, again either marketing or it's it's trying to replace something that uh, is not. A need in the market as yet but I, I love the idea of getting rid of a laptop having your phone and then having something that plugs together to make one so you're not using sort of six different devices on, on the go because I love the Apple ecosystem but I think every other ecosystem doesn't do it as well um, because Chrome don't have very good laptops uh, sorry Google don't have very good laptops in their Chromebooks um, you know they're not full laptops they're all online and some people still like to store stuff and you know yeah. Windows you, who uses a Windows phone but, but in all seriousness like the Razer phone plugs in um, the uh, concept or the virtualization of that, or the visualization of that. It looks really good. It looks like it works well. It'll just be interesting to see if that's a concept that people pick up because you're picking up this this phone because you're a gamer. I don't think you'd get standard mum, dad, you know, business person X buying this phone um, because it, you're not playing intensive games on it. Like I think there's a niche market for it in the first place. So I think they building this specific periphery. Looks good, looks clean, looks polished. If it works, I think it, it'll do really well. Do you think that's uh, that sort of nicheification of it, or like the fact that it's such a niche or, uh, audience or a niche product, allows them to build more into that ecosystem? Yeah, I think um, you know one of the things that you'd say about you know your Android or your Chromebooks or anything like that is that um, uh, there's not enough. There doesn't seem to have been enough of a consumer demand to have put that much sort of R and D in the development of these ecosystems. In the same way that I think like Apple has consciously set out to build an ecosystem and then build products that support that ecosystem. So, you know, are you putting the ecosystem or the product particularly first? And it sounds like with the Razer that you're able to do that um, uh, because you've got a niche built in, like you know exactly what you're doing it for. And these two sort of components are born to play with each other rather than sort of just occupy the same space. And then, you know, you've done some sort of behind the scenes merging. Well, they're not, they're not uh, marketing it as 
you know, productivity book X, you know, go on and do your Word document or go to uni, it's play games. And so you get on there, you plug your phone in, it interacts as a screen, it's a trackpad, the, so it's the phone goes in where your mouse trackpad normally would go. Um, and then when app developers have filled out their game for this specific content, um, you know, your actual Razer phone will become, you know, even more useful for, you know, data and, and other bits and pieces. And I think that that's where they've done it really well. The Chromebook, it, it sells itself as, um, you know, a holistic approach to a laptop, but it's not a laptop, you know, you've got a few inputs, it's a very lightweight machine, uh, and I think it's just totally different. Like, it, it tries to cater for a market that maybe doesn't really exist. It's a, a cheap alternative to a MacBook. Like, I would buy a MacBook over a Chromebook any day, but this Razer phone, I think, is is again targeted solely at you know, people that want to buy this phone for games and then want to play those games on the go well. So Matty, that's that's what's excited me, you know, CES vibes, but uh, how's your week been? What are you, what are you feeling? I, I suppose this time of year is always really exciting because you get all the like Oscar movies that come out, all Ooh. the really interesting movies that you know you that sort of uh, I think take up a lot of space in your brain. Um, a movie that I saw last week that I have not been able to stop thinking about that I'm really surprised that I haven't been able to stop thinking about is I Tonya. Okay. Um, so I've been I have no interest in the story whatsoever. I didn't really follow <laughs> it. Wasn't really like uh, you know uh, I I don't think I'm really particularly looking forward to it at all. Um, but ever since I've seen it, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. Um, so it's obviously about Tonya Harding, who's the figure skater. Um, her sort of story is that she um, was an Olympic figure test skater who never really fit in. She's the first sort of woman to have performed all these particularly amazing feats. Um, and she had like an arch rival that came up with her alongside. Um, and her ex-husband um, organised basically a hit on the rival um, and like shattered her leg. Um, and so she was banned for um, from skiing for, or sorry, from skating for the rest of her life. Yeah. And so it's like this really sort of bleak funny strange story about like these people who just want their little slice of um, sort of success and they're, they're totally denied it through the fact that they're kind of bungling or you know just can't really seem to get it together yeah. um, and so I think a really interesting um, sort of uh, story that I uh, is so sort of compellingly told um, you know I think Margot Robbie is never someone I particularly respected as an actress um, I've never really sort of like sort of understood the hype um, and sort of seeing her in this I, I really am happy to buy into it now in a way that I wasn't expecting yeah. um, and you know I went and saw um, you know sort of uh, the post last week right. um, and you know that was really interesting that was great um, you know Tom Hanks Meryl Streep amazing but they never particularly, um, you know, stopped being Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Whereas watching Margot Robbie in uh, I, Tonya, you sort of forget entirely that it's her. Um, and that you know she's sort of so glamorous and all that other stuff in her real life but the fact that, you know, sort of she can subsume herself and be such an effective actress there I think is... Um, is so interesting and compelling. Um, yeah, really excited uh, by it and um, haven't been able to stop thinking about it since I saw it. Yeah. Highly recommend. Okay, cool. And uh, and so who was the director there? Uh, Craig Gillespie, who made Lars and the Real Girl, oh, okay. which I haven't seen. Right, well, maybe that's another one. Fun facts. Was Margot in that? No. Oh, I okay. think that's about 10 years. Before she was born? Maybe. She's quite young. <laughs> You'll find links to some of the things we spoke about today on our website, missioncriticalpodcast.com. You can drop us a line at missioncriticalpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash missioncriticalpodcast. Leave us an iTunes review. We'll leave every one and five star reviews that are posted. Oh, did you check those actually? I did not. Oh. And now I'll check. So, our friend, the lower incisor, oh. says five stars. Wow. 
Raider, about to be jammed. Probably the best casual chat you'll ever find on Apple. Eat a porg. And what's that little sign? It's, uh, it's the okay sign. It's the okay sign. Ooh, okay. So if you, are, if you think we are okay, just like our friend the lower incisor, <laughs> please leave us a review. We will read it out in the same excited tones. As, as per right now. Um, you know, what do you think the lower incisor is doing right now? Um, probably sucking on a stogie. Um, if the higher incisor is out there, we will take his review as well. And also buck teeth. Yep. Any tooth related reviews? Um, you know, we are now the premier tooth reviewing uh, podcast. I was thinking of changing the name of the podcast, actually. Yeah, to like tooth review. The awful tooth. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Matt Ryan. And I'm Curtis Selleck. We'll see you Talk real soon. You